So, you know, Sunday mornings, uh, some would call it a worship service. And that's uh, probably an accurate assessment of what Sunday mornings are. You know, um, we, we come, we worship, I think in different ways. Uh, and I think that as we go to church service, one of the things the Lord wants to do is to kind of gather us together, kind of like a football huddle. You know, we come, it's a hub, we meet, and then we go out into the highways and byways and we make a difference, hopefully, in our families and the world that we live in. You know, but we have to make sure that we get something out of this. You know, you guys can't just come on Sunday mornings one way and then leave the same way. God has to deal with us. God has to meddle with the middle. You know, you can't just come to service and, you know, check it off your list and say, I did my religious duty but you leave uh, the same. And so as we come to a worship service, I was thinking about three things that might be able to be helpful for us that you can kind of latch onto uh, in order that you can come and say, Lord, minister to me in these areas. Use these things in the worship service. Number one, the music. Uh, number two, the message. And then number three, it's all just saturated with the master. That's worship service. It's the music. It's the message. It's the, it's the master. You know, God wants us to go to service, and he wants us to leave differently. You know, there's a real awesome passage in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 46, uh, in verse 9. I don't know if we have that passage here, but, um, you know, let me read it to you. It says, but when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, Whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And whoever enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. And, you know, there's a, there's a message there how God would say, okay, if you come in through the north, I want you to leave through the south. If you come in through the south gate, I want you to leave through the north gate. And you're like, what's up with that? What does that mean? And I, I think in, in the way that the Lord would just speak in the Old Testament and just speaks in the Bible, what he's saying is, I don't want you to leave the same way you came. You know, for us, we could probably do it. You come in that door, go out that door. You're like, but then I got to go all the way around. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. You get that visual, man. I mean, you know, to really have it in our heart, like God says, I don't want you to go and leave the same way you came. God prohibited the people of Israel from leaving the same way they came. And there's a lesson for us, I think, when it comes to worship service, coming on Sunday morning and getting the most out of it. Just really coming and hungering and thirsting for God to transform our lives. I don't know if you knew this or not, but a human being grows on the average of seven one-hundredth of an inch every week from the time they start growing. So, you know, I know that's not a lot. You're like seven one-hundredth of an inch, you know, but it adds up, right? How many of you here are, are vertically challenged? Just out of curiosity, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're not as tall as some of the others, right? Because what ended up happening one day is you stop growing, right? And of course, we know that there's physical limitations and there's genetics and DNA and all that kind of stuff involved you know, when it comes to that, but when it comes to spiritual development and growth, we should never, ever stop growing. You know, we should grow into mature Christians who are usable in God's hands and can go out there anywhere, and God can use your life to bring others to Him. You know, we have to continue to grow. 
when we come to service, we've got to get something out of it. You know, and it's interesting. I was reading in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17, and it talks about how sometimes they would even go to church service and they would come out worse than when they went. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together not for the better but for the worse. And so, you know, that's crazy when you think about it. There are some who not only don't grow, there are some who actually shrink when they go because their hearts are not right, because they're caught up in, in divisions like it was in 1 Corinthians or the, they were contaminating the communion. They were in it for themselves. They weren't really hungering and thirsting after God. And so I just, we just, man, I know the Lord just wants you and me to grow. And so as we're coming to worship service, three things to take into consideration. Number one, uh, the music. And look what we read here in Ephesians 5 in verse 19. It says, uh, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, I'm sure you've noticed by now, if you've been coming to Calvary Chapel, Almani, or pretty much, uh, you know, any Calvary Chapel, most Christian churches, uh, how we have a good portion of our time spent in praise and worship through this miracle that we call music. You know, and I, I pray that you would know how important it is. It's just the part of the, kind of like the DNA we are of disciples, Right? And as we're going through this time of music, it could be a half an hour, it could be a little longer sometimes, are you getting anything out of it? Are you growing? Are you singing? Are you praising? Are you worshiping? Are you experiencing the, the true meaning of music? You know, before I was a Christian, I liked ACDC. You know, what can you get out of the song Back in Black, you know? Or, or I used to like Van Halen. Uh, how, what do you get out of the song Running with the Devil? You're like, yeah, but it's good music. I'll tell you what, though, those lyrics, they penetrate your mind. You know, music is powerful. It really is. It's, it's just a, an awesome gift that we've been given by God. And I'll tell you what, when you come in and, and the service starts, uh, you know, whatever, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, when you come in ready to worship through music, your life will change. You know, some people come in and they're like, well, it just depends on how good it is, whether or not I like the beat. You know, praise God for the gifted musicians we have. And there, there's that anointing that God places on, on certain worship leaders that is truly a blessing. But at the end of the day, it's not just that anointing there on stage. It's the anointing that takes place in your heart. Whether or not you're really here to worship God through music. You know, right here, it's interesting uh, how he says we are to speak to one another. Did you know that when you're singing uh, these songs, that we're actually encouraging each other, that we're actually teaching each other? You know, if, if I notice, uh, I can just, you know, watch you guys sometimes, and it's kind of cool. You guys notice this, and I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm just going to go for it. You know how after the, the worship song's over, someone starts clapping? You guys notice that? And then what happens? Everybody starts, you guys notice that? I know who starts clapping every time I know his name. 
and he does it. <laughs> sometimes it's Henry, sometimes it's uh, Mikey, different guys, you know. And of course, I pray that when they're clapping, they're clapping for who? For Jesus, not the musicians. Because this is not a concert. This is not a performance, right? This is for the Lord. And so, but when one does something, whether it be a clap, whether it be a song, whether it be, you know, lifting up hands, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I miss uh, Mercedes and Darren. They've been gone. They've been in Texas for a while. But man, she worships. And that's contagious, huh? Isn't it for the rest of the congregation? It really is. And so all I'm saying is that, you know, when you're, when you're singing and, you're, and you're, where the music is taking place and you're focusing on God, all I'm saying is that you're speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs. The word psalm, it's from the book of psalms. And, you know, they had 150 of them in the Old Testament. That was their, their songbook of Israel. The hymns, it comes from a root word that means to celebrate. So we're here and we're singing truth. I mean, sometimes out of the Bible. We're, we're here and we're celebrating. I mean, isn't it awesome being a Christian? Isn't it? I know some of you guys are going through hard times. I know it's hard. Life can be hard sometimes. But man, you're washing the blood of Jesus. You're on the road that leads to heaven. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word. You have life. Before you were Christian, you had no spiritual perception whatsoever. You are gifted. You are blessed with a God who watches over you every single day of your life. And so we have reason to celebrate, you guys. And I know how life is, too. Some of you guys, you're introverts, right? You know what I mean? You're like really quiet and reserved and you're like, ah. You know, you would never think of just like worshiping and lifting up your hands. Some of you guys are like that. Others of you, you dance, huh? You know what I'm talking about? You really get into the, the worship and the music and life. You know what? We need to kind of, I think, migrate over to the life of celebration. That we are the children of God, you know. I usually do it in my closet. Um, how many of you here like listening to music with headphones on? How many of you here? So just like five of you? Not that many. I love it. I love it, to be honest with you. I've always liked, any of you guys like loud music? So how many of you don't? Just, you're like, it's too loud sometimes, right? <laughs> it just depends, right? Sometimes, man, I'll be honest with you, because I used to have speakers this big, and I would crank it up full blast, and I would just get in front of the speaker and just soak it in, loving the bass, just loving the music, you know, and then and I've always liked earphones for whatever reason. You guys remember the Walkmans, the cassette players? We put those earphones in, and then now they got the Beats. They got the big headphones. Any of you guys have some, any of those that I can take with me to um, Nepal? <laughs> but you know what's so cool about those earphones is that it's like, um, and I don't let my kids wear earphones when we're around. When we're together, because what does it do? it tells the rest of the world, go away. So if I were you, I wouldn't let your kids do that in the car when you're together because it's supposed to be family time whenever there's interaction. But I tell you what, there is a place, right, where I go out and I do my workout or when I'm in my garage worshiping God or I'm in the backyard doing yard work where I put on my earphones and I worship, right? And what that is is telling the rest of the world, this is a very special time for me between me and the Lord. And I'll tell you what, we need that in the sanctuary. 
You know, how many times when the music is going on, are you looking around at other people? Oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, I like her dress. You know, some of the girls are thinking things like that. And, hey, man, I got to talk to that bro afterwards because the Dodgers played a good game yesterday or whatever, you know. And, and we, here we are in the holy moment of worshiping God. I'm telling you what. I would just challenge you, myself included, that during that time of music ministry, we call it worship through music, that you focus on the Lord. That's why sometimes it's cool to sit up in the front. You know, I know some of you are afraid, you know, but uh, if you can, I mean, sit up in the front, no distractions. You know, you're looking at the screen because you want to learn the new songs, but eventually, let me ask you a question, eventually memorize those words so that you can close your eyes and just focus on the Lord. You know, it's interesting, right here it says, uh, speaking to one another. Look again, speaking to one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. If you have a, a King James version, uh, an old King James, it says speaking to yourselves. Did you guys know that? Any of you guys have one of those older versions? Now that's interesting. So not only are we speaking to one another, but we're also speaking to ourselves. Did you know that? That as you're worshiping God, you're not only teaching and encouraging other people, but you're also teaching and encouraging yourself. If you find yourself depressed, down, discouraged, defeated by the devil, I'll tell you what helps a lot. Throw on some good praise music. And if you don't know, because it's, it's interesting, you know, first service is different. You guys are a little bit more saved than second service. <laughs> Don't tell them I told you that. But, but what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it's so cool what God's doing in the church, how new people are coming in, and they haven't really, a lot of them haven't really learned that, that there's this Christian music with awesome lyrics that's edifying and able to build them up, and they're still listening to the old stuff. So just in case you're here and you're a new Christian and you're wondering, like, well, well, give me some recommendations, I mean, of good music. I tell you what, talk to somebody, man. Talk to me or, you know, Angel or one of the guys that knows music, and we could actually help you out in that area. Because I believe you wake up in the morning, you know what, and you just you put on praise music to start your day or something. You got it flowing throughout the house. It changes everything because the devil hates worship. It almost drives out the demons. I love it. One of the things I love is sometimes I'll hear my wife singing just a cappella. Isn't that one of the most beautiful things in the world? Or my, sometimes my daughter, don't tell her I told you that. Sometimes my son, the most wonderful thing in the world is to hear your family singing those songs. Fill your house with that. Speaking to one another, teaching, encouraging. Right here it says singing to the Lord, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Not, you know, just secular songs, spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart, notice, to the Lord. You know, and that's why, you know, when you're singing those songs, they need to be inspired by Him, and they need to be true. And what ends up happening is when it comes from the heart, you're making melody, not just in the, the way it sounds in someone else's ears. I mean, that, that doesn't make it more pleasurable and honoring to God. More than anything is, is this coming from the heart. When we're worshiping, 
when we're singing, ask yourself, search yourself. Are you really making melody in your heart to the Lord? Because if not, you're missing out on so much of what this holy huddle is all about. We're talking about growing, you know, on, on Sunday mornings. And so you have to come in and you have to experience the, the, the music ministry. It has to come from our heart in order to reach God's heart. Even Beethoven, he said, what is to reach the heart must come from above. If it does not come from thence, it will be nothing but notes and body without spirit. And so it's spiritual songs, it's truth, it's, it's honoring to God as it goes through your heart to his. And so we need to sing. I encourage you guys, um, even if it doesn't come naturally, you know, if it doesn't just flow, here's an objective truth that you have to know, that God wants you to sing. So start singing, you know. Um, even Jesus, remember, he would sing. We read about him singing in Matthew 26, 30. And when they had, had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That was before the cross. I mean, think about that. Going to the cross, you know, such a, a, a crazy thought. He's singing. And then after, you know, the scourging, remember Paul and Silas when they were scourged in Philippi, the Bible says in Acts 16, 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So, you know, before the cross, after the difficulties, I mean, some of you here, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're going through hard times and you're staying down there. You're, you're still, you know, getting just pounded by the enemy because you haven't learned, you know, James says, count all joy when you fall into various trials and you haven't learned like Paul who was willing to sing and pray even after he had gotten beaten by the soldiers. One person said music is the child of prayer. And so as we're praying, did you guys know that as we're singing these songs that it's a prayer to God? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your favorite song is. Um, you know, I could sing of your love forever. And what does that do? You're singing that song and it soaks in, you know? And then as you're, you know, singing these songs and some of them, I remember one song we used to sing a long time ago. It was called Come Holy Spirit. You know, Come Holy Spirit. And as we're singing this in, in unison to God, it changes the atmosphere. It changes lives because you're asking the Holy Spirit to come. This is what happens. Paul was praying and singing. They go together. This is what we're doing as a congregation. You know, when they did that, if you remember in Acts 16, it brought an earthquake. It brought, you know, freedom. It brought salvation. There is power when we engage in this corporate worship together. You know, the power of, of music to me is so amazing. It's made for worship. Um, like if I was to play certain songs right now, like certain songs, some of you guys, your, your leg would start shaking, you know, and, you're, you know you start, and the next thing you know, you know, you start moving and grooving. Some of you guys are like that, right? I mean, you, sometimes you see the little kids. You remember when our daughter was just a little girl? We still have videos of her. We played Amy Grant. You should have seen her, man, just start, starting to boogie in the living room, you know? I mean, it just does something to you, Right? I mean, and so for us, we got to know the power of it 
It's for God, unto God. But the thing about the Lord that I've seen is that it blesses us in the process. Life seems to work that way. So let me ask you a question, okay? As we're singing songs, as we're singing and we're worshiping, sometimes you feel it, huh? Sometimes you just feel the presence of God. You know, it's amazing, the miracle of music, because the Bible does say that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so we're here, and we're feeling, I don't know what you would call it, the goosebumps. You know, I don't know exactly the way that you would, you know, refer to it, but, you know, you're, you're just praising him, and you're looking for that feeling, and it's cool. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not why we sing. You know, we don't sing in order to feel, you know, the Holy Spirit goosebumps. But this is what ends up happening a lot of times, is when you're singing unto the Lord, and you're surrendered, God ends up blessing you with that. It's a byproduct of what I would consider to be true and genuine worship. Some of you guys here, you have to let go. You know, you're still not worshiping God because you're still not broken. And if you're not broken, if you're not in that place of absolute surrender, then you will suffer. You will not experience all that God has intended for you to have. You know, the other day we were spending time with the family and it was cool. We were just talking, you know, and, and stuff. And I, I asked them this question. I said, hey, can you think of anyone in the church who's on fire? On fire for the Lord. Just loves the Lord. Just, it oozes out of them, you know? I mean, people, and, and you know, you see it. You see it sometimes. People just saturated with service and they're living with love and they share with the lost and they're always, you know, sending out prayer requests and it almost seems like, you know, like almost everything that comes out of their lips is of the Lord. I was telling my kids, you know, that's who we want to be. You know, when they started naming uh, uh, people, some of you guys here, but I'm not going to, you know, tell you because then you might get all puffed up and everything and <laughs> blow your reward, you know. But, uh, and I was telling yeah, you see it in that, and that guy, and that, and that sister, and that couple. And it was just so cool. And I was telling them, that's what we all should be. We all should be on fire for the Lord so that everyone sees that passion that we have. Why are we holding back? You know, when it comes to, to music and the power of it, man, God will use it, but you've got to be broken. You know, they have this, uh, this science. Uh, it's, a, it's a treatment. It's called melodic intonation therapy. And so it's interesting. I'm, maybe you heard of this. Science confirms that humans are hardwired to respond to music. And when they say hardwired, what are they saying? God made you that way, Right. Studies also suggest that someday music may even help patients heal from Parkinson's disease or stroke. Scientists have found that music stimulates more parts of the brain and heart than any other human function. I thought that was interesting. So, so make sure you're not wasting this time that we have with music ministry because God wants to use it to heal our hearts. One person said, he who sings frightens away his ills. 
And so here's why I encourage you guys, you know, if you can, and I know it's not always possible, so don't be condemned. Don't let the devil use this against you, but try to be on time. I know that's hard. Isn't it interesting the way that most of us, I think there's a gene inside of us. There's a late gene and the early gene. <laughs> now some people are just always early, always on time. It's okay. It's all right. I have the late gene, so I'm with you. But I just have learned over the years how important it is to try to get there on time. And you come and you're ready to worship. So that would be really cool if you can do that. And when it comes to the songs, don't be too picky, okay? Um, sometimes what ends up happening in Christian lives is people get stuck on the past. And they're like, oh, I like the old songs. You know, we should play the old songs. And then others are like, no, just the new songs, just the new songs. So Matthew 13, 52, it says, And he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. And so I think hopefully at the end of the day, this is where we end up. Because I was listening to some Stephen Chris Chapman that came out in 1989 on my way over here, man. And I was like, man, thank you, Lord. The great adventure. What an awesome song. So God will show you these things, right? Music moves us, and it's not only part of worship and practice of the church that stands alone, but I'll tell you what, it also prepares your heart for the message. If you read 2 Kings uh, 3, there's a story there of where uh, Elisha was dealing with uh, Jehoram, the king of Israel, and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and there uh, Moab had rebelled against the northern kingdom, and so they were kind of wondering, what should we do? And so Jehoshaphat said, well, call for a prophet, someone who will give us the word of the Lord. And so they're like, well, there's this one guy, Elisha. And Elisha shows up and he says, okay, I'll give you the word of the Lord because I like this guy, Jehoshaphat. But before Elisha could receive and give the word of the Lord, this is what he said. He said, bring me a musician. And as the musician began to play, God just opened his heart. And he received the word of God, and then he was able to give it. I'll tell you what, the, you know, Calvary Chapel, great emphasis on worship. You know, Pastor Chuck, man, God led him. There is a place, and what ends up happening is when we're worshiping God, God is tenderizing the heart. And like the Bible says in Matthew 13, it says it's just a matter of what kind of soil the seed falls on. That's what happens at the end of the day. And so, first word is the word music. The, the second word is, is the word message. You know, when you come in here, that's kind of the way it rolls, huh? First you got the music, and then, and then you got the message. And I'm sure you've noticed by now how we here at Calvary Chapel Almonte, we spend a good portion of our time in the study of the Bible, and, uh, and maybe you, you wonder why. You know, there's a real neat passage in Psalm 138, if you would. Let's turn there real quick. Psalm 138, it says in verse 1, I, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the, the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word 
above all your name. And so, you know, David here is talking about wherever he's at, it doesn't matter if he's in a foreign land, he's going to go past all those guys and he's going to worship. He's going to worship in the direction of the living God, of the Lord God. But as he's worshiping, it's interesting how he says, and I, and I will, I, I, you have magnified, God is the one who had magnified his word above his name. Now that's huge. You guys know that, right? Because in the Jewish culture, the scribes, when they were writing the Bible, whenever they came across the word God, as they would write that word, is so holy, his name. We don't know for sure, Yahweh, Yehovah, uh, Jehovah. We don't know, but we just know that the Tetragrammatron, so holy that whenever they came to his name, they would write it, but then they would have to go, think about this, and take a bath and change their clothes and come back and continue to write the Bible because that's how holy his name was. His, his name was so holy that they wouldn't say it lest they say it in vain. And it came to be to where they didn't even really know how to pronounce his name. It's an interesting thing. When you look at how holy the Jews saw the name of God. But look what he says here. That he says, you have magnified your word above all your name. And that's why when you come to, to church service, when you come to Calvary Chapel, I know it's a big Bible, huh? I can't see that well. I have to get a big old huge Bible, but... You know, they would come in like this, you know, in the old days, because the word is above everything. The pastor, the teacher, the church, it's all under the word of God. Some people wonder, well, how does the Lord lead the Christian church? At least the Catholics, you know, they got the popes and they got the bishops and they have their all, you know, structure there. You know, so they've got that. What about the Christian church? And the answer is that King Jesus leads his church by the scepter of his word. And that's why it's so important when you come to service, not only, you know, taking the music seriously, but taking the message seriously as well because God exalts his word even above his name. You know, there, there's so, something so beautiful about the Bible God's word, and here's what I want to share with you guys. A lot of churches out there, they're not teaching the Bible anymore. You know, they're teaching sociology, psychology, they're entertaining, you know, they're doing things that are not really rooted in the scriptures. And that's why Paul charged Timothy, and he said, in the presence of God, in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, to preach the word. And here's something I want to share with you guys. Bring your Bibles to church service, if you would. Bring your Bibles. You know, because we can put the scriptures up on the screen, but how do you know we're not putting up a scripture, you know, that we worded it, you know, a certain way that's different? You got your Bibles. You got to check it out. You know, um, when I first got saved, they didn't have iPhones and iPods. I got saved in the 30s. I'm just joking. It was not that long ago. <laughs> You know, and, uh, and I don't know, man, you had your Bible. You had your, your Bible. It was your sword. I mean, you went through it. You highlighted it. You circled it. You put promises by it. Man, you just, you just wrote all over it. You marked it up. I mean, it's just so beautiful, you know, just having that Bible, you know. And eventually, you get a smaller Bible, you know, like a, a switchblade type of Bible. But, man, you, you have your sword. And I, I want to encourage you, if you don't have one, um, 
Here's the thing that's what happened with technology is now people will they'll, they'll do it on their phones. iPads are probably a little better, but, you know, and I don't want to, this is between you and the Lord, man, but I, I do want to encourage you to have a Bible that you, that you just, it's just yours, you own it, you, you write in it, you highlight it, you know, because what ends up happening is because you don't have, you know, you've got the iPad and you're, you know, touching that thing and that thing. Next thing you know, you don't even know the books of the Bible. You know, you don't know where Leviticus is. You don't know where the book of Ezra is. You don't know where, you know, Hosea is. You're like, hey, I didn't know there was any Mexicans in the Bible. Hosea who, you know? And <laughs> You know, you just don't know your Bible. You don't know where Jude is. You don't know how many chapters are in it. Whatever the case may be, you know. There's something about knowing that Bible. And here's the thing I want to tell you. If you don't have one, we'll buy you one. We'll give you one. We'll put your name on it. And we'll say, here, read this for a few years. Own it. Mark it up. Wear it out a little bit. There's something about that Bible, having it on your lap, when Manny teaches or whoever it is that's teaching, you can check and you can say, hey, you know, is that true? Watch, if you turn to Acts 17. Notice what we read in, in verse 10. And then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived there, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You know, one of the most beautiful sounds to any pastor as he's teaching is the, is the, is the rustling of the pages of the Bible. You know? Hey turn, to, hey, turn to this. And then, hey, I quote a verse. Yeah, Ephesians 5.19, and there you are. You're like, oh, okay, let me check it out. Let me see if this guy's giving me the word. Is it really true? They're receiving the word with all readiness. Their heart is ready and open. This is Paul, the apostle. I'm sure God's going to speak through him. He's a great man, but he's just a man. And so Paul's telling him about the, you know, Old Testament prophecies regarding Christ and, you know, the, the book of Genesis chapter 3 or, you know, Genesis chapter 22 or Psalm 23. And they're all looking, you know, they're searching the scriptures with all diligence. That's the way we should be. I tell you what, when you know your Bible and you're reading it, you're studying it, you're loving it, I mean, no one can fool you. No one can fool a person who has a thorough knowledge of the Bible. And Theodore Roosevelt said that a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. And I believe that with all my heart. You see, I encourage you, bring your Bibles. If you don't have one, let us know. We'll get you one. You want a leather one? You know, we'll, somebody will buy you one. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out, man. You know, but you just get like a special. I have one at home that I probably should bring. It's my Bible that I have had for years. And I have written in it, and I have highlighted the whole, I actually highlighted the whole thing. That's probably weird, huh? But I mean, this is my Bible, man. It's just, it's just so precious to me. You gotta have at least one of those. One. And one day, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna leave it to your kids. Probably that would be the